0: The Athletic.
1: I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? yes you know. Oh! I found- a and team, and team again. Crank up the music! Charge a glove! The
2: cliché self-awareness threshold in football circles. A local radio co-commentator witnessing a goal being scored in football for the very first time. The best Rolls Roycing so far by a long chalk. The most obscure footballing union on record. Tyler vs Drury, the Bake Off. Singular Premier League nicknames. The threshold for an end-of-season pipping. John Murray's gets the shot away moment. An unprecedented way of saying nil-nil. And Richard Keyes has got a brand new punch bag. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 238 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel is David Walker. How is it going?
3: Yeah, it's going very well. How are you?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Morale has recovered somewhat since Leeds, which I thought we did a manful job of getting through despite the technological issues.
3: Indeed, yes. Uh, for anyone who is listening, um, who is at the lead show and who hasn't seen our variety of um, thanks slash apologies to the audience and Twitter in the last few days, we should say thank you very much for being so generous as we went on stage and discovered five minutes into the show that the sound wasn't working and almost half of the show was rendered instantly unusable. But we, as you said, carried on manfully and I think everyone had a nice time. Yeah, we just had just about enough content left.
2: Um, but that doesn't mean we aren't going to recycle it for our podcast. Let me reassure the listeners of that. Um, if anyone was seeking an explanation for what happened, I guess the only person to turn to really is this man. Why?
1: No idea. Absolutely no idea. You the answer.
2: So there we go. Um, no closer to the truth. No one will ever know. Um, but it's definitely not my fault. And that's the main thing. Um, <laughs> So disgusted um, am I that I have um, I have rather harshly dropped Charlie Eccleshare from the adjudication panel today and drafted in Nick Miller. How's it going, Nick Miller?
0: I feel like uh, whoever I can't remember who it was, but whoever came in for Alan Shearer when Rude Hullit.
2: Um, oh yeah, Paul, him. Paul Robinson.
0: Paul Robinson. There you go. Of Good neighbors. knowledge. If it is any consolation uh, about the lead show, my mate Al. Hello, Al. Uh, I was there think. and had a uh, a very lovely evening. So despite the technical woe, I think people enjoyed the show nonetheless.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. to overstate it, actually, and thanks Al. Appreciate that. And and um, everyone we drank with until the wee hours in Leeds um, seemed to be of a similar mind. I, yeah. It wasn't a debacle, Dave. It wasn't even a horror show. Actually, it wasn't. Uh, it was. It was fine. It was
3: fine. Yeah, I'd like to move on from it now. Actually, if we can. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough.
2: You know, sometimes. We worry that the the Football Clichés podcast is is just picking on people, really. You know, innocent misusers of the language of football. But, you know, football, Nick, is more self-aware of its clichés than we might give it credit for.
1: You know, if there's ever that horrible cliche of t- t- game of two halves and that was it, you know.
3: I know it's a cliche, but it's true. I know it's an old cliche, but there's no easy games.
1: No. We take each game as it comes. Take each game as it comes. The old cliche. It's an old cliche, but people talk about the twelfth man. You know, it's a cliche, before one goes out the window in the derby. It's an old cliche, but every game's a cup final. I know it's cliche, but it's a final now. We win ugly. I know it's an old cliche, that, but the most important thing today was that we got
3: the
0: three points. It sounds cliche, but it's a cliche, but that was a goal worthy of winning any tie, wasn't it? It's very important to win-, win these type of games. It's a bit of a cliche, but it sounds very cliche, maybe, but. It is really
1: uh, what dreams are made of. Gary Pallister, if ever there was a game with two halves, it was that one. Yeah, definitely it's the old cliche, isn't it? I know it's a cliche, but over the moon. Baking a cake is easy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Brian's gun exclusive on the Football Clichés podcast. The tie-in that everybody was hoping for, uh, thanks to Brian's gun. His name's Will, by the way. Did, did you know that? Nick, based on that evidence that I presented you with, I mean, there is a certain ceiling to football people's self-awareness. I feel like it's only, there are only a certain set of things that qualify to be prefaced with. I know it's a cliche, but...
0: Yeah, I wonder how many times you have to say one of those cliches before you interject with it's a cliche. Yeah, there must be a kind of smidgen of, of self-awareness there, but it must build up. have to build up over time. I think there are two things at play,
2: Dave, here. Um, one, if it's a very, very obvious sort of re- repetitive sentiment, like the boys gave everything or something like that. But I also think it's kind of a contextual thing if they're basic, if it's in the in the act of fronting up, where they're sort of digging around for sentiments, I feel like they have they have an extra layer of oh god, they're going to catch me out here, and they're going to they're going to accuse
3: me of being cliched. So maybe that's an aspect to it. There's more variety in that clip than I perhaps would have initially expected if you'd explained it to me beforehand. I found myself in the, in the same sort of trap actually recently. Last week I was on the From the Rookery End podcast, and. I was asked a question about VAR and referees and and stuff, and Mm. I... I could just feel myself saying it so far before I even said it. I just knew what was coming. And I, I in the end, I had to say, oh, well, I mean, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I do think generally it evens
0: itself all out over time. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, a, th- this is the, the benefit of um, uh, of this podcast is that I, uh, as opposed to going on other podcasts in the Athletic Stable, where I have to express, like, you know, serious opinions about football. Yeah. Whereas, not that this isn't serious, of course it is, but... Um, mm. You know, I, I, you don't find yourself wandering down the VAR. All the decisions even themselves out. Roots. I, I, I'm now slightly
2: worried based on Dave's anecdote there about what my threshold would be for uttering those words. Uh, I wait to see if I'm ever on a serious podcast ever again. Um, couldn't ignore this.
1: Have to tackle this. It's Dean Saunders on Talksport. I'm, I'm sorry to say this, you know there's a lot of imposters in football. Go on. You know, you see the dugout and you think, how many people they got on the bench? Mm. People got swallowed a laptop, sneaked into a club and just, come out with long words.
0: i tell you what gets me. I know there's a language barrier sometimes, but when the, the sub's are about to go on and they get the board out or
1: they get a bit of paper oh come on, just talk to them, tell them what you want me to do. Were, Honestly. Uh, listen to this, Al, right? This is how people have tried to baffle the fans, they're trying to baffle the public. Right? Yeah. With, with with long words that used to mean something simple. High press. Oh, I know. I know that I used know. to be closing down. Yeah. And full court press, that used to be. Low block. That used to be sit deep. Then you know, I've changed no, it to low uh, bit. Blo- transition I'm, I'm transition was giving the ball away and getting counter attack. Don't give it away, lads. Mm. Transition, it's called now. Keep the ball. The player needs more minutes. Where's that come from? <laughs> it just needs a game. Got to play more. Needs yeah. a game. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you, do you know? People I'm just coming you. out with ridiculous long words, just trying to baffle the public to sound intelligent. Swallowed a laptop.
2: <laughs> it would be easy, Dave, for us to um, react like everybody else and sort of, you know, um, reduce him to intellectual rubble. But I'm more interested in a kind of more meta level analysis of this, which is why is it always high pressing that gets cited first here? <laughs> why is it such a big deal that. The high press is considered such a, you know, such offensive jargon in football now. I know. And low block, conversely, is the number two as well. Once oh, you've got God. those two out of the way, it um,
3: seems apparently it's fine. But they're such a universal concept. I suppose they just come up so regularly. And, uh, like, in a way you can sort of... Uh, there is a very, very, very small part of me that sort of kind of sympathises with it because they are basically saying, look, we're not dinosaurs. We used to do this stuff too but they but but they just that that is just not the right way to sort of make that point mm. especially banging on about long words <laughs> all the words were the same length i think yeah, th-
2: that's that's another that, that's perhaps sort of the lower hanging fruit of this nick is that um, so main argument is that these are really long words and he actually came up with longer ways of explaining them which <laughs> i thought was i i think you could see it in his eyes halfway through that he realized what he was doing um i think that might be my favorite bit of it
0: uh, i think my favorite bit was uh, the the visual element because he clearly had all these things written down on you know <laughs> On his notepad or something like that, and he kept mm. kind of looking down and going, oh, oh, "What's this oh, low lo- block?" Yeah, yeah, that that one's just occurred to me as well. Swallowed a laptop, Nick. Yeah, and he was so delighted with it that he bookended the whole the whole thing. You know, he, he was just, really happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. He was. He thought of that line, and uh, you know, was going to mock it for its worth. That appears to be
2: part of it as well. As there's, um, there's a there is a smugness to this. It's about. Kind of a cathartic thing for um, proper football men is is to get this out, and it, and after a while you think, well, maybe we both kind of win here. It's nothing's going to change, but you get to let let this off your chest with a little quip, like laptop swallowing, and we all we all get with the life But my my my, my semi serious bugbear with this whole thing is that how can this still be a radio segment in 2023? They've done this. This has been done. How can this possibly be annoying you fresh?
3: I know, I know, and <laughs> I like the bit where Alan. Brazil said the bit that annoys him is when they get the board out or a piece of paper on the touchline and tell people what to do. <laughs> now, I worked with Alan Brazil on that breakfast show for about four years <laughs> and had a great time. And Alan is, a, is a, an, an amazing broadcaster at times. But let me tell you, he needed bits of paper. <laughs> 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 A laminated folder telling <laughs> we didn't him when to break it. We didn't just get. We didn't just pull him five minutes before he went on air and yep. go, Alan. Right, just tell him the whole four hour show <laughs> in, in thirty seconds and say off you go. Yeah, it, it's all based
2: on lies, Nick. As well, like these these sort of counter arguments they go too far and actually, well, that's just not true, is it? And uh, and then it all be- ends up into a complete mess. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think anyone's the real winner here, are they?
0: No. Are we the real? Are we losers for even paying attention to it? I'm not sure. You yeah. know. Yeah, Who's the there site? is an
2: aspect of that. I, I feel, I do feel sucked into it, I have to say, but I, I I couldn't ignore it. Anyway, Charlie Reese writes in, Dave, and says, I work for Lidl. I asked a customer if he had one of our Lidl Plus reward cards, to which he replied, I don't have one, for my sins.
3: <laughs> is missing
2: out on a fake Weetabix 10% discount sinful? <laughs> this is one of the most tenuous ones we've ever had.
3: Yeah. Bloody hell! I do have those moments when you're at yeah Tesco or Sainsbury's or wherever. No Lidl's near me. Um, you do think should I should have one? Should I have one? Why haven't I got one? But I'm never going to get one.
0: <laughs> if we're kind of accepting the notion that a, a supermarket can be for my sinsy, what's the most for my sinsy supermarket? Do you think?
3: I think the higher up you go, higher up you go. I
0: think. What? Well, so yeah, so you, I, you, you're you're talking Waitrose?
3: Yeah, I think if you're a Waitrose Plus member, that's a for my sins.
0: Right, because I think it's it's implication being that if you can afford to shop at Waitrose, you don't need the reward points kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean that's not how that's not how Waitrose cards work. I can uh, (laughs) I can reveal
0: (laughs) for for years.
2: I mean, yeah, yeah, you go. You you scan your card every time, but up until very recently, there was absolutely no rewards to it whatsoever. You might get the odd coffee, Uh, but now they've started introducing personalised vouchers. So I, I can reveal that there is now some tangible benefit to having a Waitrose card. Um, I think we should move swiftly on from there because that leads (laughs) us in to For My Sins Corner. Nick, you're a For My Sins Corner relative veteran. You know how it works. I'm going to play a a clip from popular culture. Someone involved is going to say the words For My Sins, as they are now legally obliged to do on the BBC. Um, this This is from BBC Two quiz show Eggheads. Dave, you know the drill. Just shout the words when you think it's going
3: to be uttered. The next subject is sport.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's perfect. Who wants this? Great. I
3: th- Rob. I think that's that's <laughs> me, isn't it, Rob? OK, against which it, And it can be Beth or Judith think- or Barry. Judith. Judith. Oh, Judith. oh, dear. Oh Judith. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a foregone conclusion. No, what, was of course that not. Just- <laughs> Trust me, it is. It's the gesture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Robert, from doing it for the crack, to take on Judith on one of her favourite subjects, sport. To ensure there's no conferring, please take your positions. So Judith, sport again? Sport again. And at school, you were a
3: lacrosse person. I was. I was in the team. For my sins. And I played on the wing. And how about you,
1: Robert? What do you enjoy?
3: Uh, I'm a football fan. Soccer. I'm a Manchester United fan. For my sins. S- ah. um, and I used to play a bit of um, Shit. football as um, an Irish. Did you get in there in time, Dave? I, I couldn't quite make it out. No, I didn't even. Well, I didn't even say it. For wow. a start, but I yeah, I was too late. I, he, he just ah
0: uh, ah uh. tries to be too clever. It's the most the most basic example of the former sins, and I thought I thought lacrosse would lure you in as yeah. the more inexperienced of the two. I thought you might crack first on I've, eggheads. I've wandered straight into a colossal bear trap.
2: <laughs> lacrosse and Waitrose on the football cliches podcast. <laughs> not not a good start for our working class credentials. Next up, um. We've kind of visited this phenomenon on and off, Dave, on this podcast. It's local radio co-commentary. Now, the thing about local radio co-commentators, as we've established before, is that there's no impartiality asked or given. They're kind of they're loose cannons, almost by profession, almost by definition, aren't they?
3: Yeah, I think they can. They operate. I think. I think there's an inherent sort of understanding that it's all a bit less, bit more of a low-pressure environment when you're on that when you're a local radio co commentator and also without being disrespectful genuinely they they will basically get anyone on <laughs> <laughs> how could that possibly be? what a little
2: precursor that was
3: <laughs> no I mean honestly that, I mean uh, it how is it's that not
0: happens. be disrespectful <laughs>
3: I've got mate I've got obviously I know people who have literally got no absolutely no connection to football whatsoever apart from being a fan of that club who have found themselves co-commentating on BBC local radio (laughs) on real matches it's like um, it's the club ambassador job Nick for someone who just can't be asked with small talk
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that give me something else local radio Mm -hmm. yeah sure no problem but so yeah so they they have a kind of diplomatic immunity to be as partisan as they want and that's fine nobody expects any different but um, this is brilliant this was sent to me from football commentator James Fielden who's listening to BBC radio West Midlands coverage um, of some recent Walsall games and they packaged some, some of the recent goals together uh, in a little highlights bit and uh, it's not really the partisan co-commentating as such it's just the slightly inappropriate way that he greets these two goals
1: now here's Tom Knowles Knowles takes a touch and oh, yeah! the net Tom Knowles has scored for the Saddlers
3: well, Hutchinson does well to get away for
0: it
1: wow!
0: Isaac Hutchinson is
1: there for the Saddlers
2: I, I am completely 50-50, Nick, about which of those is my favourite. The second one is like it's the first football goal he's seen in his entire <laughs> life. Wow! He <laughs> kicked the ball into the net. But the first one has kind of, got a kind of weird, cheesy coolness about it, so I'm not sure which one I like.
0: I my, my, instinct, my instinct was that, uh, like you like you say, this is the first time he, he's ever seen a goal scored in football and he, he doesn't react like other football fans. But you kind of, now I'm doubting myself as to what other football fans sound like. Because you only ever hear, like goal celebrations, you only ever hear in the collective. It's just this sort of massive noise. You don't hear the individual bits. That's true. Maybe that is how people react. I mean, it isn't, but, you know, I've been doubting myself anyway.
2: Dave, what kind of Watford goal would it take for you to simply say wow? Like, actually just be wowed? Verbally, I mean literally. Eddie, got <laughs> oh, come <laughs> on! Dude. Ooh, long suffering. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take anything. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just in a really weird kind of way, a very very special example of local radio co-commentary. Enjoyed this, but um, nothing is going to beat this for this particular football cliché's running theme. This came from Chironorme. I'm not even going to tell you what happens. I, <laughs> just, it's just—it's a video about chalk that mathematicians use. <laughs>
1: Mathematicians from all the top schools Very frequently use it It's a cult favourite As soon as I used it, I was a convert The chalk Is one of the best kept secrets In the math world It's the Rolls Royce of chalk (laughs) Uh, The Rolls
2: Royce of chalk
0: (laughs) Lovely The the deep satisfaction of knowing exactly what was coming And it, it finally arriving Lovely I mean
2: that video, in all its glossiness, Dave, does go some way to convincing me that there is a possibility that a chalk can be rolls royce Very nice branding on the site. It's Japanese-made. What's is- the uh, the chalk they used to have at school in the
3: yellow and green package? Is that Crayola? Yeah, I would have imagined yeah. so. But it, it chalk is quite sort of it's a you know it's a traditional sort of thing, isn't it? Not newfangled in any way. Surprised that anyone is still using chalk. So it kind of it, it does sort of have a Rolls Roycey sort of traditionalism to it.
0: You you Pro- can you can have like the Rolls Royce of a board marker than like a whiteboard marker. No. Yeah, yeah. Same. probably
2: not. I'd want the Rolls Royce in in the in the eraser if
3: anything. <laughs> I want that to do its job better.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Right, just,
3: there, just just rubbing. Yeah, just yeah. leaving no trace. Just just taking care of business. Roaming around the blackboard. I mean, as the as the universe of Rolls Royce products kind of
2: expands, Nick. I suppose, on reflection, you know, high level mathematicians probably do want a Rolls Royce of chalk. Can you imagine how fussy they are about their equipment? Oh yeah, and the slide rules and all that sort of stuff. You're going to want a good chalk, and apparently this is the best kept secret in mathematics. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we need to know who the kind of what the sort of mainstream brand of chalk is now. No, that this this Couldn't imagine. luxury luxury style has been given to us.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think what we're increasingly seeing here is that Rolls Royce themselves should actually diversify their their business, make chalk, make stuff, <laughs> make other stuff. Make yeah, I classy
2: ju- centre halves, Rolls Royce. Uh, that reminds me. I was on holiday a few years ago and uh, sat down to breakfast, and the salt and pepper shaker and its holder were manufactured by Peugeot. Wow, there you go. Peugeot salt and pepper shaker. Why do you need to do that, lads?
0: Well, they just 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 in case the the bottom falls out of the car market, they're sort of they're, they're protecting themselves.
2: Yeah, and they yeah. clearly
0: thought everyone everyone is always going to need salt and pepper. That's their nest egg, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, Hagaromo Chalk,
2: hopefully the forthcoming sponsor of the Football Cliches Podcast. After that, at least, going to dedicate a whole section to this. It's Liverpool seven, Manchester United nil. First up, Dave. This came from Bill alley Ali. Um, Entirely separate from the uh, from the scoreline, really, um, but still nonetheless worthy of our comment. This is Conor Mcnamara outing his uh, gantry partner Jim Beglin as a member of a very well a splinter footballing union, I guess.
1: Well, Jim, you're a fully paid up member of the left backs cutting in on their right for a shot. Union.
3: Oh, come on. (laughs) Members include who? Connor McNamara knows exactly what he's doing there. There's a man who listens to this show and has been on this show. Come on.
2: Jim Beglin in a really dusty hall somewhere, Nick, just reading the minutes out to himself. Is Steve Guppy coming? I'm not sure. No, he can't make it today.
0: And uh, does does Steve Guppy actually qualify since he was primarily a wingback? Yeah, I know. know.
2: I know. Disputed <laughs> membership. But once you've narrowed it down, you're fucked, aren't you? <laughs> Dennis Irwin. He's probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably isn't he? A Rolls-Royce of a <laughs> member of that particular union. But, yeah, great stuff. And, and as Dave suspects, Nick, McNamara there knows what he's doing. Excellent. Next up, um, I'm really glad someone asked this because we've talked about this on the podcast before, Dave, and I don't think we quite nailed the hypothetical scenario for it. But now we have a real-life case study. T-Boss says, Salah's first goal was described on Five Live as being lashed. Does it meet the threshold? It totally meets the threshold. It's a great lashing. In off the bar with his weaker foot, his so-called weaker foot, his self-styled, self-appointed weaker foot. Um, First time, bouncing ball, in off the bar. No design, essentially, other than to get it goalwards.
3: And it looked brilliant. It's a lashing all day long. 100%. And I think the fact that De Gea sort of dived for it it was sort of passed in before he died. The whole thing, there was a, there was a rawness to it. There was a sort of absolute lack of any sort of culture or deftness.
2: Without, without sort of sacrificing any kind of aesthetic quality, though. It wasn't, it wasn't mm. a mishit. It wasn't a bobble. It was, um, that's why lashings are so good, Nick. Um, there is no aplomb involved, but they can be quite devastating.
0: Would we also accept um, Snapshot for, for that one? Because it was it was kind of slightly slightly unexpected, as outlined before, hit with some kind of with power. Without, I'd it was much too much finesse.
2: of a. I'd say it was too much of a good chance. Like if he right. hadn't scored, it would have been considered a, a golden opportunity. So whereas snapshots are more half, not half chances, maybe sort of seventy five percent chances somewhere in between. Yeah. But I know what you mean. Snapshots are indeed first time hits. So I I see where you're going with that. Love this though. This came from Harry Green, Nick Martin, Tyler, and Peter Drury having a little bake off. Over Roberto Firmino scoring the seventh goal for Liverpool. Oh,
1: that's the one they wanted. That is the cherry on the icing on the cake. Gakpo two, Nunez two, Salah two, Firmino to put the cherry on the icing on the richest of Liverpool cakes. <laughs>
3: Jury just had to just had to just add a little extra flourish, his own personal cherry.
0: Is there anything that that goes on top of the cherry? There isn't really, is there? Sprinkles?
3: Yeah, I see what you mean. Maybe could you have something stuck into it? Yeah, like a dec- in a decorative sense.
0: M- maybe, maybe maybe if it, yeah maybe if it's a um some some sort of Christmas themed cake, you got those little thick bits of edible holly that go on. Yeah the cake yeah yeah what sort of sprinkles do they supersede the cherry or is cherry always king both figuratively and literally it's it's, it's probably always king because it's just one one main thing isn't it as if it's sprinkles then they're just kind of smaller things distributed around the rest of the Mm. cake but the cherry is the sort of centerpiece isn't it you don't really see many cherries
3: on cakes these days do you that's true it's more of a bakewell tart situation yeah is that not a cake it's a tart, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we can call it a cake if you want, but you, you know what I mean. I don't yeah. think you see many sort of waitrose, sponges waitrose. with icing. <laughs> <laughs> with cherries on. But
2: um. uh, Drew's got form for this, though. Maybe he is the more experienced in the, um, in the cake analogy between the two. Here he is back in 1999, I believe, Chelsea versus Galatasaray.
1: And why wouldn't he?
3: This is icing on a cake so rich as to be... Thoroughly, thoroughly palatable for those who've travelled from Chelsea. <laughs> uh, you want it to be a bit more than just palatable, don't you?
0: <laughs> so rich as to be thoroughly palatable. <laughs> We're also uh, witnessing the evolution of jury there as a, as a more high-class operator, because there was yeah. definite hesita- hesitancy in, in that as well as saying a rich cake was palatable. Which you I been mean, halfway through that he thought, "God, in twenty yeah. years people are going to be sick of this"? <laughs> well, no, but he, it, in the, these days he's out, there's much more certainty. He, know, he no. knows he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, um, whereas that, that that was much more tentative back then.
2: And it's paid off. To be yeah. fair to
0: him, it's paid it's off. Awesome. Tony Evans here, host of Walk On, the Athletic's new look Liverpool podcast. 7-0. 7. Count them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's what Jürgen's boys can do. And to Manchester United, is that the game to ignite the Reds' run-in? Well, we hope so. Join myself, James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones as we get stuck into Liverpool sticking it to United. Mo Salah's record-breaking afternoon as well as bringing you the best
1: post-match analysis around. Just search Walk On wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is football cliches.
2: Next up, willing to factor in some sort of language barrier here, no issue there, but um, this came from Kevin, who was enjoying Bruno Fernandez's honest... Take after the game with Sky Sports, but took issue with one very specific aspect of it.
1: Uh, after the final, when everyone was happy, that is, uh, it was really good to be a Red Devil. It's still really good to be a Red Devil because uh, a part of the results, it will always be good to be a Red Devil because we have to, we have to set, a, uh, we have it a good and really good standard for
2: ourselves. I mean, it is unusual, Dave, to hear players referring to their club nickname, but I, I think it's the extra twist here is that. Is using it as a singular, which really, mm. really runs it home as very jarring. Um, do you think it's one of the most jarring
3: club nicknames in the Premier League to use as a singular? I've never heard it used like that before. I, on occasion, I think I've heard sort of Watford players speak speak of themselves as as a Hornet, proud to be a Hornet.
2: But oh, yeah, but only in sort of t- unveiling sort of videos and stuff. Just, mm. just to, to drop it into a post match interview. No yeah. matter how much kind of um, fronting yeah. up you feel like you need to do, I do find it quite strange. Nick, yeah. Nick, I feel like it's incumbent on us to go through the entire list of Premier League club nicknames and decide which one works
3: <coughs> least well as a singular. Gunner, I feel that that's fine. I think you'd go for Gunner in the singular, wouldn't you? I yes, think. I, I maybe. Th- but
0: I, I think I think a Gunner goon- a is specifically an Arsenal fan. I don't think you yeah. describe an Arsenal player as a Gunner. Yeah I le- think I think I think I think they would be co-opted. There are, th- sure. there are there are yeah. there are people that span both You're Ian rights for example mm. he he, he yeah. could be a gooner. But-
2: yeah but let's please stick to the original con- uh, <laughs> context provided by Bruno Fernandez. Uh, if would an Aston Villa player um sort of uh, say that this 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 performance wasn't worthy of being a villain mm. I mean <laughs> no, it feels it, weird doesn't it? Yeah a cherry. Oh, back to cherries again. <laughs> cherries is plural. I've got, got my head around, Dave, but I don't think I like cherry singular. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like a cherry today. Not proud just, to be a cherry.
3: That's not what it means to be a cherry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the a cherry bee? way. Would you like to be a B at Brentford? Again, very plurally one. What about a tricky tree at Nottingham Forest,
0: Nick? that doesn't. That's that's uh, secondary, uh, isn't it? That that does sound quite silly.
2: Seagull, a blue, an eagle, a toffee. Yeah, it's a bad day to be a toffee. Actually, no, grey would use toffee, wouldn't it? But again, it's for the fans. Cottager.
0: Well, yeah. Citizen would be weird. Yeah. Or as
3: they tend to try and spell it these days, city-zen. Yeah with a Bad Y. Bad day to be a citizen, Pep.
2: <laughs> anyway, yeah, magpie, red, saint. Yeah. Fox. Yeah. A wolf. Give him a minute. Come on, let's give him the- <laughs> a... wolf. <laughs> a wolf.
1: <laughs> well there we are. A wolf.
2: <laughs> let's, give, let's give Fernandez the uh, benefit of the doubt. It was a, a chastening evening for all involved in red devilry. Last point on this game it came from Jamie Nagioff says, so lots of talk this morning about whether Liverpool will now pip Spurs to fourth place. But what is the threshold for pip? I think this is quite strictly deployed, Nick. I think I think pipping needs to be point or two. I suppose I suppose you could have 3 because you could have been level at the start of the final day and it has to be right at the end of the season you pip them right at the end. You you weren't ahead of them at any meaningful stage towards the business end so you pip them you you Essentially, leapfrog them, but in a in a very tight way, and it's a pipping.
0: Could you could you not pip someone if you were if it was a a, a kind of back and forth tussle, like if the teams were swapping places, you know, third and fourth or whatever? You pip someone to the. Is that
2: place. in the spirit of pipping though? Because you, I mean, you you were mm. technically ahead of them half of the time. Doesn't feel like pipping.
0: Yeah, the, the the purest form of pip is the is you know come from behind, and that that season where Spurs lost. Like five not to Newcastle on the last day, they were they were pipped to fourth place by Arsenal.
2: Is Am it, I overplaying this sort of reducing the deficit coming from behind out of nowhere, Dave? Can it be a can it be an ongoing tussle? No, I I
3: think that's good because I think is this is this not a horse racing thing? When you pip someone to the post, pip to the post, and, yeah, and and that you know that sort of horse just coming from the pack, emerging as they're coming up the hill at Cheltenham, for example, hmm. and just pips someone on the line. I think that's the kind of. That's what I think of. And in the footballing context, yeah, that would be a team that just makes a late surge into the playoffs or the top four and just gets there at the last. And are you happy with the maths, Dave? Three points maximum is a pipping. I, th- I, think, I think if you overtake someone on the last day, it's fine. OK. But whether it's goal difference or whether it's by three points yeah. whatever. Yeah, it I comes think... down to one result, one swing. Yeah. Yeah, OK,
2: interesting. Um, next up, Nick, being increasingly accustomed to seeing this phrase and variations of it in wider society used quite knowingly almost acknowledging its, its football origin. But I think in this case, I don't think it's being used ironically. I think it's being used perfectly innocently in the wider world. Spagnum Moss has written in, and he's reading a very entertaining Guardian article about um, the rise of indie music in the early 2000s. And uh, lots of voices in there, one of which was Victoria Hesketh of Little Boots, formerly of Dead Disco the ex-dead disco ace and um, here's what she had to say it was a good place to start there was no bullshit and you had to get your hands dirty you had to drive to play Club NME in Stoke on a Tuesday and get drunk dudes shouting at you you had to earn your stripes especially for girls because they had to give as good as the boys whether or not it's a good thing is how I came up it definitely made me resilient Club NME in Stoke on a Tuesday (laughs) tough place to go Surely can't, she didn't deliberately use Stoke.
0: Maybe she did. It's, it's trickier in a, in, a, in a club, which I'm going to assume is indoors, to get the the, the elements into it. You, you know, you can't. Could it, be
3: drafty. It could.
0: <laughs> it could be drafty. That's more of a sort of structural issue than a, than than the weather, isn't it? Am
3: I getting this right,
2: Dave? Club NME is a, is a movable feast, isn't it? I think you, can, yes, you could host Club like NME, NME anywhere. A, I
3: think so. I don't think there was just one in Stoke. All right. <laughs> the mecca. The, well, the mecca for NME. Fans. Just like the rain will move around. As does yeah. Club NME.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, can I can I uh, propose a slight conspiracy theory here? Do you think there's a playful sub editor having a bit of fun with this? <laughs> Did she really say Tuesday and Stoke? Tweaking Could have just the said quote. it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe
2: it's been but... a bad week for journalism, and now you're turning the screw <laughs> even further on journalistic malpractice. On a similar vibe. This came from Adam Simpson, who was reading an article, Nick, about Ian Dowie's latest career change. A career change it might be, but uh, he still, still can't help but talk like a footballer. Here it goes. Ian recently gave it all up for a completely new career as a mortgage advisor at a Lancashire law firm. Alexander Grace Law, based near Burnley, has taken him on as a business director, leading its remortgaging team. Ian's wife, Debbie, also works at the company's office near Preston. He told The Daily Star... While people may wonder how I've gone from the football pitch to the office, I have been working within the conveyancing arena for some four years now. (laughs) And when I was asked if I would come on board with them, it was a no-brainer.
0: Yes! Yes! (laughs) There was only one place he was going to go. Of course he was. His wife works there. It can't possibly be a no-brainer. You're a Premier
3: League footballer. Now you're working for Alexander Grace Law, based near Burnley, (laughs) leading its remortgaging team. It doesn't sound like a no-brainer. That was his childhood remortgaging team, I
0: understand. <laughs> <laughs> a noble profession, I'm sure, but that's, that's absolutely no way that was a no-brainer. I mean, again, are we, are, we, are we suspecting some kind of mischievous sub-editor who's just weaved that Another in? Another one. <laughs> I know, I know. We're pointing fingers at the journalism industry all over the place here. But, I mean...
3: <laughs> no, I don't think this way. I think... I You can... Um, thousand percent see Dowie saying this yeah I guess definitely so. is remortgaging
2: technically a uh, a bounce back ability situation I <laughs> suppose <laughs> it is <laughs> right seasoned football cliches listeners will of course remember early era classic gets the shot away for anyone who isn't familiar with this this was a serial based phenomenon in which one commentator sounded like he was uh, angling for a part in Les Mis Federico Chies gets the shot away success
1: once more
2: gets the shot away and we had so much fun with this didn't we Dave um, not to mention uh, someone writing in with uh, with their audio skills and actually um, dubbing that over a clip of lame is
0: for all
1: here's a
0: little dip a
1: little touch. Them
2: they won't it's a Hall of Famer moment, isn't it, Dave? The Gets the Shut Away. Oh, yeah, certainly. Certainly. We've waited a long time, Nick, for a kind of natural successor to Gets the Shut Away, and I think we might just have found it. It came from listener Greg, who is uh, listening to Liverpool versus Real Madrid on BBC Radio 5 Live. And here is John Murray, sounding like he's singing Valare by the Gypsy Kings.
1: Benzema, back to Modric, 25 yards out, into the edge of the area, Rodrigo, and then Valverde! <laughs> it, it comes across loud and click. Can we have it one more time? Benzema, back to Modric, 25 yards out, into the edge of the area, Rodrigo, and then Valverde! Whoa! Valverde! <laughs> Whoa! He plays, he plays, plays for, for Real
3: Madrid! Madrid. He... Uh,
2: <laughs> uh, yes, it works, <laughs> nonetheless. Valverde! Wonderful stuff. Very... But, I mean, once I'd got over the superficial enjoyment of it, Nick, it did make me think, have, and, and I still haven't watched it back, uh, that chance itself, that particular intonation from a commentator, what kind of chance is it suggest it is It's very snapshotty, isn't it, like you mentioned earlier?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's snapshotty, but it's gone quite a long way over the bar. Or yes. gone a long way wide.
2: Good. Good. Yeah, I agree. It's weird because there's, t- there's two elements to it, isn't there, Dave? There's kind of the the unexpectedness of the shot, which is kind of reflected in the exclamation. But then there's that corner of, that kind of, the way that the, the tone takes off
3: also suggests that it wasn't miles wide, but it was safely wide or high. I'm thinking like a, an unexpected, sort of like an early cross that's found him at the back post or something. Right. And the commentator's maybe just taken a little bit off guard, Maybe mm. they were chatting about something else before. And it just, but then for a second, they think certain goal, but then, becomes becomes clear that it isn't.
2: Yeah, it's brilliant. Really is. He gets the shot away at 2023. Now, Bakary Lasagna writes in Nick and says, "What are your conditions for restoring the lead?" For me, it feels like the goal needs to be scored fairly soon after the equalizer, but also not too late in the game. So he's using the example of um, Everton going 2-1 up against Nottingham Forest at the City Ground on Sunday. Um, because it was it was relatively soon after Forest had equalized in the grand scheme of the game, but it was it was soon enough for the phrase to reflect the fact that there might, you know, it's an ongoing situation. If you restored your lead in a, on a technical level in the ninety-second minute, then you couldn't call it that, could you? You couldn't call it that. So what's the
0: cut-off point? I think the the, the definition there is is pretty spot on. I'm going to say what is eighty minutes too late? Maybe he, maybe seventy-five restored the lead. I think that is too late actually.
2: Maybe gets maybe the lateness of the goal, Dave, gets overridden by the fact that if if the goal that came before it was was so close. If, it mm. got, if a goal was scored in the 82nd and then the team retook the lead in the 83rd, you could still say restore the lead then and not have yeah. to worry about it sort of interfering with the final scoreline and the final few minutes. So maybe it's it's proximity of the goal rather than the lateness. I agree. I think wow. that's the key
3: thing. Yeah. You know, it's how close the goals come. How late could you go? Could you go like 92 and then 93? Mm. But then I suppose you could like restore an old property hundreds of years after it was originally <laughs> made.
1: So <laughs>
3: Yes, you can.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absurd levels of literally, Dave. There, thank you, thank you for the putting the cherry on the icing on the cake. There, now, I thought we'd, I thought we'd exhausted all options for this, Nick. We debated recently on this podcast, and this is a very soccer Saturday thing about whether the phrase nil all was acceptable. Where do you stand on this? Mm, I mean, it feels clunky, but uh, I don't think it's entirely unacceptable. I find it too breezy, too conversational, Dave. Where did you stand on this before? I didn't like it. You didn't like it? Well, you no. might not like this then. I <laughs> have to say, I don't have the audio for this. I can't corroborate its existence. But Chris Warne has the name of man that I would trust. And here he says, 33 minutes into Chelsea versus Leeds on Soccer Saturday, Michael Dawson ended his update with still nil none. Oh, oh fuck you not
0: no, no. no, you, you can't, can't mix a match. <laughs> no, no, Nil none. But, but none none sounds... Awful
2: as well. None, none. I have, don't think I've ever heard none, none. Nothing, nothing. You can get
1: away nothing,
0: with nothing. Yeah, nothing, nothing is nothing. fine. One, but but can you? I, I, I mean, it, does none have any place in this at all? Three none, four Three none, none. none. That doesn't that doesn't sound Two great, does it?
2: No, I' not not keen on it. It sounds a little right. bit, yeah, a bit old fashioned. But nil none. I mean, the only thing worse would be to switch them round, Nick, and say none
0: nil. <laughs> which, <laughs> weirdly, which, that sounds better, but still not, still not good. But, yeah, still um, none
3: nil, Jeff. Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you can't have the nil second. It sounds too close to
2: one nil. Yeah, it does. But it, but, it, but the rhythm of it is at least better mm. than nil none. Nil yeah. none. Still nil none. Sounds like some skullduggery going on there. More quick thinking. Elsewhere this weekend, this was the Women's League Cup final on the BBC. And friend of the show, Robin Cowan, was taking a very effective approach to emphasising Sam Kerr's goal tally for Chelsea this season.
3: Goal number 22 for Sam Kerr this season. And we're still in Greenwich Mean Time.
2: Yeah! That, to me, is not an obscure enough reference for it to be unhelpful and it nails the time of the year. And as someone, Nick, who doesn't really know when Easter is ever... Despite having experienced many easters, uh, Greenwich Mean Time means more to me. I think as a benchmark.
0: Well, it kind of serves a, serves a dual purpose because it, it it does there is an indication of the time of year, and I I can never remember when GMT flips over either. Mm. So it also reminds me. Oh, that's probably quite soon, isn't it? Yeah. So
3: yeah, well, spring spring forward, fall back. <laughs> I I I sort of lord the approach here, but I do. I, I think if I'd heard this in the wild, it would have taken me if it would have taken me. Little couple of seconds to work out exactly what oh, there's what a classiness, there's a poise to it. I no, no, I like it. I'm uh, it's me, I'm the one
2: failing. Oh, me. it's, you yeah. I, <laughs> it's yeah. you, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, it's not Robin, it's you. Um, yeah. but I, I'm actually, I would go further, Nick, and I, I'm, I'm all for the clocks going
0: forward as being the official start of the business end of the season. Oh, well, well, I mean, you always have to remind me when the clocks go, go forward, but it's I mean, it sort of sounds right. Would they ever have mentioned
3: it on Premier League years? And the clocks went forward this <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> That's not going to go on Premier League years. It happens, to re- happens to once a year. It's there every time. But moving backwards down the table. <laughs> they're really struggling for news. The clocks <laughs> went forward in March. Uh... Uh, it's Sunday, March the 26th. Oh, right. About right to me?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It feels a little bit too early for the business end.
3: Okay.
0: I don't know. Coincides roughly with the sort
2: of
3: quarterfinals of the Champions I think League. It, I think it is because we, we're getting to. We're nearly in the Championship. We've. Wofford have got 11 games to go in the championship well yeah that's so a run in 26, 26 comes around yeah anything yeah. under
2: 12 is, a, is officially a running comfortably so maybe it does work um, let's take this Eastern nonsense out of the equation because no one remembers when that is talking about constants in our life it's time for keys in grey corner <laughs> Sunday. Now, I had to try and boil down a weekend of Keezy into one kind of focal point. And uh, it seems like he's moved on from Mikel Arteta's extracurricular, extra technical area activities. Um, despite, despite him almost abducting a child at the weekend, Nick.
0: Well, he, he sort of very quickly ushered the child into, to presumably towards a, some kind of responsible adult, high five the child, then realised, well, hang on, what the fuck is this kid doing here? Incredible quick thinking, Martetta,
2: and, and rightly so. Good stuff. Yeah. The high-five came first, but then suddenly thought, where's your dad? Yeah. Where are your? Where's your legal guardian? Uh, it was inside his technical area, by the looks of it, so... I think it was, yeah. Uh, within his rights to uh, turf him out, but I, I believe they were reunited... Later on, but yeah, sensational scenes at the Emirates, indeed. Um, but no, Keyes' has got a new nemesis, a new bet noir, a new punching bag, and it's this guy.
1: But my previous comments regards Veghost. Yes. <laughs> Why? No idea. Absolutely no idea. They know the answer? <laughs> has he not got a few questions to answer about his starting eleven and about? Sorry to keep mentioning it, but. Vout horse. What, what's he doing have at served Old Trafford? I mean, he's well. a bang ordinary centre forward playing at number 10. The, 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 he has to take a look at himself tonight and say, hang on, he's got a kid on the bench to pay 80 million quid for. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I, and he's yeah. got this fella trolleying about number 10. I just, don't 10. Sit Come on. I just...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is there a single broadcaster in the known English-speaking universe,
3: Dave, that would use the phrase trolleying about? <laughs> Oh, it's vintage stuff, isn't it? Superb. And as as we've been increasingly uh, commenting on in recent times, he's he's kind of on the money, really.
0: Yeah. Well, he he, this... he is. But to go to go on about an underperforming striker when a team's just been spanked seven nil is pretty classic, Keezy, Really.
2: Well, if if that's his bugbear, he's going to run with it, as we know. But yeah, a poor Val of Dave. Keezy very much smelling blood here. Sees sees someone playing for a big club out of their comfort zone and he won't let it go. Won't let it go, that's all. Normally you'd think he's the sort of player that Keyes would like. Hmm. What about Veghorst? Get him in. Big man.
3: Big man. Not not as a
2: number 10, let's face it. (laughs) I mean, from a a whole spectrum of proper football men from Dean Saunders to Richard Keyes is not going to accept Vout Veghorst playing as a a (laughs) deep-lying... Something or other. Anyway, longer. Look, too long. The words are too long, Nick. I can't handle it. Um, uh, Nick, thank you very much for joining us on the adjudication panel. It's been uh, great to have you back. Thank you. Thanks to you, Dave Walker. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday.
1: The Athletic.